Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 2. I'm sorry you don't have a sermon outline this morning. Luke chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 1 through 21. But before we do, let's, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing, the reading and preaching of His Word. So Father, we thank You for meeting with us this morning. And we thank You that we've had the privilege of singing songs to Your glory, um, confessing our faith together, joining our hearts together in prayer to You, and returning to You, Your tithes and offerings. Um, So Father, now as we come to Your Word, we pray that You would, by Your Spirit, help us. Lord, that you would engage our hearts and our minds, and that you would change us from the inside out. And that as we look at a very familiar story, Lord, that it would be fresh to our hearts and our eyes this morning. We pray for your anointing on the preacher and the hearer alike. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Luke 2, verses 1 and following. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host of God, uh, excuse me, the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God, it shall indeed stand forever. Amen. Christmas Day, 1914 found the world at anything but peace. Armies from all the major European powers were entrenched in the muddy fields of World War I, the fields of France, of Belgium, and Germany. 
duking it out, not for miles, but for yards. Yards measured in the hundreds and even thousands of lives. The fighting was more brutal than it had ever been before. Gone were the days of the chivalrous aristocracy leading um, infantrymen into battle upon horseback into broad fields. And, And now the day had come of tanks, of machine guns, of trench warfare, and chemical warfare that was ugly beyond anyone's comprehension. Christmas Day in 1914 was a day that seemingly was going to be another day of great carnage. But you know, something happened. Randomly, I guess. Something that hadn't been planned. Suddenly Christmas came. And as the, the tunes of Christmas carols floated over no man's land, the guns stopped and the cannons ceased. And the warfare ended just for a little while. The soldiers who had been previously just hours before had been shooting at each other crossed no man's land and celebrated Christmas together. The Germans and the French, the English. They all enjoyed Christmas together. For a moment there was peace amidst all the warfare. Now, it made their superiors really angry. They were supposed to be killing each other and not celebrating. But beyond the the conflict they were undergoing, they realized together there was something much bigger going on. And for a few hours, they had peace. We need peace. And if we back up 2,000 years ago, God's people needed peace. The land that God had promised and given to Abraham and to his descendants was very much not at rest. Caesar Augustus had called for a census of the whole world. And that wasn't really far off from it either. The Romans controlled just about everything they knew existed. There aren't really any good reasons to call a census. There are only really three. The first is just sheer pride to know how many folks you rule over. The second is to know how big of an army you can muster. The third, seemingly for this one, was so you could get a lot of tax money. God's people had been called to go and be registered in their own hometowns. What a slap in the face to know that you're ruled by someone else and then for everyone to have to leave where they were and go back to their hometowns to be registered. This was not a place of rest or peace. Roman rule and its trappings were everywhere God's people had not been under their own rule for quite some time. The Syrians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, they had all um, conquered and controlled God's people in Israel. And now, to make it even worse, was King Herod. We know a little bit about King Herod because of his actions in trying to kill uh, Jesus. You know, he, he ordered the death of all um, baby boys two years and under in the Bethlehem area after the wise men brought him the news that a king had been born. But this was just a, a drop in the bucket for all the things that Herod was known for. On, on the good side, uh, I guess, in public relations, he had helped rebuild the temple and helped build a whole bunch of new architectural um, wonders around Judea. But he was a tyrant. In fact, he killed his wife. 
He killed her whole family. Indeed, he, he oversaw the death of, her, of his wife, of her two sons, her brother, her grandfather, and her mother, and then killed his firstborn, and then um, in a deranged state, uh, disinherited everybody. This was not a man who was conducive to peace. God's people needed peace, and they had none. <coughs> but of course, this turmoil, this conflict... Even all the way up to World War I and every bit of conflict in our own lives, it stems from the fact that this world is broken. The sin and error was pining. The world was pining, longing for. Longing for that day when, when someone would come and, and remake all things new. The promised Messiah who would bring peace to the land of Israel... But we need peace too. Because theologically we know that all conflict, all lack of peace comes from the fall. God had made this world in which everyone was at peace with each other, with God and this world. Can you imagine a relationship, a marriage, a workplace, a family, a church, without any ungodly conflict? And the full blessing of of pure shalom, of, of pure peace? Long had they waited for the Messiah to come. They needed peace. And we do too. Do you find that the Christmas holidays are just crazy? (laughs) They're just non-stop, aren't they? We need peace in a lot of ways. We need peace and we don't get any rest either. But we need peace ultimately with the Lord. And this is what Christ came to do. And in a field... There were these shepherds, and the angels showed up and had good news that peace had finally come. Well, Jesus has just been born in a stable in the little town of Bethlehem. Since everyone had to go to his hometown to order to be counted, um, Joseph and Mary, his betrothed, returned to Bethlehem, the city of David, to be counted. Now, there wasn't any room in the inn, we know that. Uh, The thing about when everyone has to return to their hometown, what if everyone returned to Bruton to be counted? We don't have many hotel rooms, do we? Very many at all, actually. And so, seemingly the same thing in Bethlehem. And, And no one had extended hospitality and invited this very pregnant young woman into their home. And so perhaps by the kindness of an innkeeper, he said, I have no vacancy here, but I do have a stable. And you're welcome to go there. And apparently the donkey ride had progressed things along a little bit, and it was time for Jesus to be born. And soon, a little baby boy, a little baby boy, the God-man Jesus, who had come to change everything to to bring peace into the world, was born to an exhausted mother and a no doubt a poor and scared young carpenter. This was our Savior. Well, not far from there, in the same region as we learn in verse 8, there was a group of shepherds watching their flock of sheep. There were several shepherds. We don't know how many. Most likely they had combined forces together, watching over many flocks, um, getting some shut-eye when they could. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and he had a message. Now, we don't really know anything about the arrival of this angel. We don't know if it walked 
We don't know if they hadn't seen the angel coming down the road, but all of a sudden this angel was there, and apparently it wasn't one of the really pretty you know, baby cherubim that you see in country clubs and nice bathrooms. This was something that would cause the, the, the shepherds to be afraid. A mighty warrior, perhaps. We don't know what he looked like. But certainly the shepherds had the same reaction as Mary and Joseph and Zechariah did when the angel Gabriel appeared and when he had to tell them, look, don't be afraid. We're told that um, the glory of the Lord shone all around them. Can, can you imagine this scene? Put yourself here. You're, you're asleep or, or groggy. Those stupid sheep are running off again. And then all of a sudden there's an angel in your presence. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the, meaning God's people, all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. We're told about this Jesus three things. The first, that He is a Savior. And it means that the shepherds and we needed saving. The thing is, we're not at peace with God apart from God's mercy and grace to us. And we needed saving. We needed saving from our sin. Wherever people were that day in Judea, whether they were in the greatest palaces or the smallest homes, or in the stables of Bethlehem or out in the fields, everyone was in need of a Savior. And certainly, we are in need of a Savior as well. And so when the angel showed up and said, I bring you good news of a great joy, they brought news of one who would finally save them and save us from our sin. We may not be in the fields, which I'm thankful, especially on a day like today, but in the pews of First Pres, we have the same needs. Even if you know Jesus, you still need your Savior. And He has come. And He has saved us. But this Savior is more than just a Savior. He is the Christ. As we've been looking at the expected coming Messiah, this is the Greek word for Messiah. Can you imagine the the excitement of the shepherds, these devout Jewish shepherds? They knew exactly what this meant. Here was a Savior, but He was also the Christ. Long had we anticipated, long had we looked for, and we're getting to hear about it. They won't even let us in town. They won't even let us uh, go and, and, um, and testify in court because we're known as liars. No one wants to do anything, have anything to do with us. We're ritually unclean, and yet we are hearing about the Messiah. And He's here. The Christ has come. And not only is He the Savior, not only is He the Christ, He is also the Lord. Now if you tell a bunch of Jewish, uh, pious, God-loving Jewish shepherds out in the field that the Lord has come, of whom are they going to think? Well, God. God is the Lord. Would they have picked up on this? Would they have understood fully what this meant? Here is the Christ child. And He is both fully man... And fully God, the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, has shown up not far from their field. Now, we have to stop for a minute because if we weren't told in this text this is a good thing, this could have been a really tragic thing. God's people, we do not deserve God's mercy or His grace. By its definition, no one can deserve mercy or grace. What we deserve and what they deserved 
was God's wrath. And so to hear that the Lord had shown up, was this going to be a good or bad thing? But we're told his mission in verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. This is a proclamation of peace. God knows that his people don't have peace. And so he sends his son, our Savior Christ, the Lord Jesus, to bring peace. This is a benediction. You know, when I give a benediction at the end of the service, it isn't a prayer. It is a declaration of God's blessing upon you. It does not come from me. It comes straight from Jesus. That's why it's scriptural. That's why I read scripture when I do it. And here, this is God's blessing to his people. Peace. Glory to God in the heavens, in the highest, in the highest manner we give glory to God. And on earth, where you are, peace amongst your people. Peace amongst those with whom he is well pleased. Here is the Prince of Peace. Here is the prophesied Prince of Peace of Isaiah. We are not at peace with God when we are born into this world. Romans 5 tells us that we are his enemies. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, which is a fancy term for Satan. Romans chapter 6 says that apart from Christ, our old master rules over us. This is our flesh and the devil. We are not neutral, born into this world. We are opposed to God. And so the prince of peace, the one who gives us peace, he has come into this world to give us this peace. I bring you great good news of a great joy. That your Savior has come to bring peace between you and the Father. You know, there is a price for peace. And it is always the defeat of the enemy. In World War I, the defeat of the enemy, of the Germans and their allies, cost millions upon millions of dead soldiers strewn about the countrysides of France, of Belgium, and Germany. Peace had a cost. And in fact, the world paid it again 20 years later in World War II. The price had to be paid again. What was the price of our peace with God? Normally, it is that the enemy is defeated, that he is killed, he is vanquished. But in order for us to have peace, the good guy, the righteous one, the holy one, a Savior, Christ the Lord. He died and he was crushed so that those who were his enemies might be brought to peace by his sacrifice. Our story concludes with the shepherds responding in faith to the angelic host and the great message of joy. The angels never really told them to go But they got the hint, and they hurried off. I don't know what they did with their sheep. It didn't matter. They went, and they found the baby right where he was supposed to be. And they shared with Mary and all those that are gathered. Apparently, it was a pretty decent crowd. Of all that they had been told by the angels, they responded to this good news in the appropriate manner in faith. Can you imagine there you are and there's the angel and then all of a sudden 
There's not just one angel, but a great army of angels, the angelic hosts. A host is an army. Are they in the sky? Are they ground? Where are they? They're all around them. The glory of the Lord is shining around them, and they keep repeating this phrase, glory to God in the highest. It's just been amazing. And then all of a sudden, they're gone. And you have to do something with this information. You can either say, that was crazy. I'm going back to sleep. Or they could go. And of course they responded in faith. The proclamation of the gospel had been given to them that peace has come to earth. And they responded and searched out that peace. What have you done? Have you responded in faith? Peace has come. Come to know the Prince of Peace. And He will give you peace both in this life and the world to come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that the Prince of Peace has come, this long-awaited Messiah. We thank you that he has paid the price of peace upon the cross and been raised from the dead. And we yearn for the day when we see the Prince of Peace um, with our eyes. Uh, Father, until that day, um, calls us to live in peace, to experience all the more the peace that you have granted to us in Christ. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.